So you would never know it by how they act, but my wife, who is our youth and children's director here, and my dear friend, who is our associate pastor here, Angela and Brent, they're actually not related by blood, by natural blood anyway, but they act like that they are. They bicker back and forth all the time. Brent ever playing the role of the annoying little brother. And my wife constantly as the much wiser, much more mature older sister. So Brent pesters and annoys and Angela lectures. And that's how I live my life a lot of the time. They both run and tell me what the other one did. And constantly they're at odds with each other. Back and forth all the time, just like a brother and sister, fighting, picking, pestering, complaining, back and forth all the time, just like you saw played out right here on the stage not three and a half minutes ago. It's all the time. It never stops. However, the other day we were uh, at an event, and uh, we were sitting there, and it was, it was kind of a meeting, and Angela perceived in her perception that Brent was being disrespected by the crowd. And I looked over, and her eyes were bulging out of her head. And her breathing got real deep. And then I, could, I was sitting right next to her, so I heard her teeth grinding. And I looked over, and she said, are you going to say something? And I was like, no, I'm not going to say nothing. Brent's a big boy. Brent can take care of himself. And she was like, <clears throat> and she kept sitting there, and something else was said. And like I said, to her, it seemed like that Brent was being overlooked, and Brent was not getting the respect that Brent deserved in the situation. And so I look over, and all of a sudden, I see red blotches breaking out on her neck and on her chest. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh, man, this is going to get bad. And so, of course, she said something out of turn. She said, what about Brent? <laughs> and everybody got real quiet all of a sudden. Because, you see, they can pester each other. And they can pick on each other. And they can say things about each other. But bet nobody say nothing about them from the outside or things are going to get real out of hand real fast. Because, uh, see, that's what family does. See, we can pick at each other, and we can make fun of each other, but nobody better not say nothing about Brent, or my wife starts taking her earrings off. <laughs> things are going to get bad, and vice versa, and vice versa. They've always got each other's backs, because no matter what's going on on the internal conflict that we may have as a family, whenever an external conflict presents itself, everything changes. Same thing happens in my family. Me and my wife can be going toe-to-toe, head-to-head, shutting the door and throwing down, which happens sometimes. I'm just saying, I know we're the pastors of the church, but let's just be real. Sometimes the flesh shows up. Sometimes, like, she didn't do what I think that she ought to do. And even more than that, I didn't do what she thinks that I ought to have done. And so sometimes we throw down, but I'll tell you what, even if we're in the midst of a battle against each other, let some kind of attack come against one of our boys and see what happens. See, all of a sudden, whatever was going on between us doesn't mean anything anymore. All of a sudden, whatever was going on between us is totally irrelevant because of an outside threat. 
I mean, we could be arguing with each other. I mean, I could be as mad at her as I've ever been at her in my entire life. But let some kind of attack come against her from the outside. All of a sudden, whatever I had against her doesn't mean anything anymore. Because we become unified against the outside threat. Let's see. Justin Autumn, come down here for a second. <laughs> let, me, let me show you what this looks like. Let me show you what this looks like. So if, if Justin and Autumn are having conflict with each other, so Autumn, you get right here. Justin, you get over here. Face each other, right? Face each other. So if they're in conflict with each other, man, point some fingers or something. Point some fingers at each other. There you go. Get a little closer. Get a little closer. Get a little closer. Point some fingers. There you go. There you go. But look, 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 look. If they're in conflict with each other, all of a sudden they're vulnerable in lots of ways. You, you understand what I'm saying? If there's an enemy prowling around seeking who he may devour, then, then he can attack here, and he can attack there, and he can attack her here, and, and her here. And if they're, yeah, see, if they're in battle with each other, if they're in battle with each other, who's protecting their children? Their 16 children or however many is that they have at each time. I mean, I mean, who's protecting them? If they're in conflict with each other, who's watching their backs? If they're in conflict with each other, who's protecting their children? See, they're vulnerable to the one that's prowling around seeking who he may devour. But see, if they're unified, stand shoulder to shoulder now. If they're unified, then I can't get at them. If they're unified, then the enemy can't get at them. See, see if a conflict comes, if, if a threat comes from the outside, then all of a sudden they turn and they're unified together. And wherever I go, see, their eyes are on me and they're watching me wherever I go and they're going to turn to be able to meet whatever conflict comes at their way, whatever threat comes at them. See, they're able to react to that, to that external threat that might come to try to attack their family, that might come to try to destroy their family. See, this is not what the enemy wants to see. The enemy doesn't want to see a unified man and woman of God, a unified family of God, because you know who's all over this unified family? It's the Holy Spirit of the living God. See, the enemy's strong and the enemy's smart, but the enemy's a coward. I prophesy and proclaim right now that the enemy of God is a coward. He won't stand toe-to-toe -to -toe against the family of God. He tries to sneak in. He tries to crawl in. He tries to come in when your attention is diverted. When you're unified and you're able to face him head-on with the power of the Holy Spirit, he will avoid you. See, he don't want none of that. He wants all this. He don't want none of that. And so he will flee from you. Thanks, guys. Give them a hand, man. Give them a hand. Thank you guys so much. But what I want you guys to realize is this. There's an external threat all the time. And see, that may be the part that we overlook a little bit. See, if there's an external threat, I mean, like I said before, let me reiterate it. If I'm into it but my wife and all of a sudden Titus comes under attack, it doesn't matter what I was fighting with my wife about. All that matters is my baby boy is under attack. If I'm fighting with my wife and all of a sudden my, my, my teenage son comes under attack, it doesn't matter what we're fighting about anymore. we got to protect our son. If me and Logan are, are into it, if we're fighting and arguing and bickering and all of a sudden Angela comes under attack, us men of the house, man, it doesn't matter what we were fighting about. We're going to protect mama. You see, you see what I'm saying? And we'll do that. But what I think we miss is this. 
Your family's under attack all the time. There's an enemy out there prowling around seeking who he may devour. There's an enemy that wants to destroy you all the time. There is an external threat against your family right now. Your wife is under attack all the time. Your wife is facing a threat all the time, men. Ladies, your husband is under attack all the time. He's facing a threat all the time. Parents, your children are under attack all the time. They're facing an external threat all the time. Children, your parents are under attack all the time. They are facing an external threat in their life all the time. And any time that we spend bickering with each other, any time we spend fighting with each other, against each other, instead of for each other, it's time that we give the opportunity for the enemy to find a vulnerable spot. Time that we give the enemy to find a place that's unprotected. You see, when families fight against each other, the only winner is the enemy. I mean, if you win the argument, if I win the argument, I mean, how does that leave me? Leaves me puffed up and prideful, right? I won the argument. And that's sin. And how does it leave my wife if I win the argument? I mean, it leaves her beat down and distraught. And who wins in that, that scenario? I Man, the enemy wins. He's the, he's the only one that wins. And so I want to explain to you guys today that we have to be unified. We have to be unified under the cross of Christ as a family. We have to be unified against an external threat that is after us all the time. All the time. So we need to put everything else aside. All those things that weren't worth fighting for in the first place. And make a realization in our life what exactly is worth fighting for. And I guarantee you, many of you are sitting beside them today, the ones that are worth fighting for. Or you've got a picture in your mind right now of the ones that are worth fighting for. You know the names of those in your life that are worth fighting for. And I'll guarantee you that the little disagreement that you had or the different preference that you had that you thought was worth fighting for? Probably not. So let's jump into the Word of God. Stand with me for the reading of Scripture today. I'm in the book of Psalms in Psalm 133. Psalm 133 is one of the shortest Psalms and yet one of the most powerful. Psalm 133 says this. Yes. How good and pleasant is it when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard and onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing of life forevermore. Pray with me, God. We praise you. We worship you. We ask you, God, for the anointing of heaven to flow. We ask for the good and pleasant blessing of a unified family, God. We pray right now that the, the, the dew of Hermon would fall on the spirit of Zion, God, and that we would be blessed to be in your presence, God. Lord, I pray for the breaking of chains, the throwing down of strongholds, God, the healing of wounds. I pray that whatever it is, whatever it is that's keeping us from being the unified family that you have called us to be, God, 
that you would just dissolve it today by your precious blood in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Man, let's give God praise for the power of God today. Come on. Man, some things are good and some things are pleasant, but rarely do you find something that is good and pleasant at the same time. Unity in the family is something like that. I mean, imagine, imagine getting off work in the afternoon and coming home to a refuge. Imagine coming home to a unified family under the cross of Jesus Christ. Imagine if your marriage bed could be a sanctuary and not a battlefield. Imagine if your relationship with your children could be filled with peace and with joy instead of strife and chaos. I mean, imagine if our families could be unified. And when they are, it's both good and pleasant. See, some things are good, but they're not pleasant. Like, I don't know, dieting. It's good, not pleasant. Amen. Saving our money, Mr. Steiner. It's good, not pleasant. Asking forgiveness to somebody when you've wronged them. It's good. Don't feel too good at the time, does it? Humbling yourself when you had to lift when you've lifted yourself up before. It's good. Not pleasant. And then there's some things on the other end of the spectrum that are pleasant, but they are definitely not good. Like, you know, an extra large Reese's Blizzard. It's pleasant. It's probably not good. All them cakes that they got up there in the front of the gondolier, have y'all seen that? Man, that's pleasant. But it's not good. <laughs> it's really, really, really not good. Going to the Chinese buffet, that's uh it's pleasant. <laughs> me me and Brent was there Friday, man. It was pleasant. It probably wasn't good. But man, unity in our family is both good and pleasant. It's both good and pleasant. I mean, even the, the reality of our Savior here on the earth, it was good, but it wasn't pleasant. You know, I've told you before, the, the worst thing that ever happened happened to the best person that ever lived to bring about the most incredible event that ever took place. It was good, but it wasn't pleasant. But for you to be unified with your family, man, that is good, and that is pleasant, and that is what we want. Even when we disagree with our family, we should do so in love. Man, every conversation that we have should be done in love. I mean, if we're going to say something to somebody in our family, whether it's our spouse or our children, we should do so in love, or guess what we should not do? Yeah, don't say it. I mean, if you can't say it in love, don't say it. I mean, how, much to, how effective have things that you've said to your family out of aggravation been in your life, really? I mean, how effective have they been? I mean, when you just let loose a tirade, I mean... You know, I mean, how effective is that? Hey, have you tried this? Have you, have you actually prayed before you entered into conflict with your spouse or with your children? For yourself and for them. Really? I mean, have you? If you haven't, you need to. You need to pray before that conversation and not pray for repentance after it. You understand what I'm saying? You need to pray before that. And if the things that you're going to say are not in love, then don't say them. Don't say them. Keep them to yourself. Until the Lord releases you to say that stuff. 
I, I mean, I want you to think about the arguments that you have had with the people in your close family over the past couple of months. I mean, how many of them actually amounted to anything? Not very many, right? Once in a while, there's something that has to be confronted. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you leave a wound to fester, eventually it will kill you. Confrontation cleanses. It's good. But it has to be done in love or it's not worth doing. Everything that you do in your life should be done in love or it's not worth doing. Nothing done out of hate prospers. Nothing done out of angst prospers. Nothing done out of jealousy prospers. Nothing done out of deceit prospers. Only the things that are done out of love prosper. I mean, and in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that, that everything else is going to crumble to dust and only faith and hope and love will be left. Everything else you're sowing in is sowing into destruction. Everything else that you're sowing in is sowing, is sowing into waste. Only things done out of love have any boundary on anything that we do. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell, to live in unity. And, and it means blood, brothers by blood, absolutely. And it means families that are related by blood. That Hebrew word is pretty strong and pretty far-reaching. I mean, it means families related by blood. You know what else it means? It means people that are connected by covenant blood. That includes spouses that were married and came into covenant together. You know who else it includes? It includes the body of Christ. Because me and you were joined by covenant blood. Me and you are joined by covenant blood. We're a family by the body of Christ. We're a family by the blood of Christ joined in covenant blood. Man, how good and pleasant is a church body that's unified. That's not being torn apart by dissension and all kind of silly stuff. Man, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. We don't want the enemy to win. Because it's good and pleasant to be in unity. I mean, we need a refuge these days, don't we? I mean, we need a refuge because the world out there is just falling to pieces. It's being torn apart from every side. I mean, this group is offended at that group, and this group is against this other group, and sometimes you lose track of who's against who. And then all of a sudden, you'll be teamed up with somebody you didn't even know you were teamed up with. And then somebody, sometimes you'll be mad at somebody that you didn't know that you were supposed to be mad at. And all of a sudden, it's crazy. Found myself headed to revival last night listening to some Kanye with my teenage son. It was a weird deal, but hey, it's a weird, weird world that we live in. But God is good. God is good. And all the time. Man, y'all quiet this afternoon. His first service was crazy. Family unity is a generous blessing. Listen to this scripture. It says... It is like fine oil on the head running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard and onto his robes. See, oil in the Old Testament, especially, and even in the New, is a representation of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And when we are unified in the body of Christ, oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, flows from heaven onto the head and continues to flow over the entire body. And so that anointing flows into that unity and from that unity it continues to flow and to cover everything that is connected. Every th part that is unified in that body begins to be covered by that anointing that flows from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, if you haven't read Ephesians 4, then do. Ephesians 4 is the guide to life. I preached an entire series about it last year. If you're wondering where the answers are to your questions that you've been asking about how to live a life as a Christian person, it's in Ephesians 4. It'll take you five minutes to read it, and you'll be like, wow. Read it. It's in there. And then do what it says, and then you'll live a life in Christ. Read it. 
It's there. Ephesians 4 and chapter 1 says this, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, as the prisoner of the Lord, I entreat you to walk in a manner worthy to the calling with which you've been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent, that's going to come back in just a second, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father who is over all and through all and in all. Can you say amen? The Spirit of, flow, the Spirit of God flows into unity. The Spirit of God doesn't overflow into chaos or strife or angst or any of those things. The Spirit of God flows into unity. Don't block the flow. I said, don't block the flow. You don't want to be the one that blocks the flow. Because I've been the one that blocks the flow. And you don't want to be the one in the family that destroys the unity. You don't want to be the one that blocks the flow. And, and we, who's been, who's blocked the flow before? Who's been the one that blocked the flow? Blocked the flow of the Spirit in your life. Yep, that's me. That's me. Sometimes I'm at home and I'm blocking the flow. Just the other day, man, they were in there and they were worshiping the Lord and playing worship music in the house and I was sitting there like this and I want to praise Jesus right now. And Logan and Angela are over there and they're raising a hallelujah or whatever and I'm like, well, I'm mad at you and I'm mad at you and I'm mad at you too, little one. Now I want to praise the Lord right now. I was blocking the flow and God convicted me of that real quick. But I've seen y'all block the flow too. Sometimes I think that y'all think y'all are invisible out there. I can see y'all. I mean, just so you know, I mean, I can. Like, I can see y'all. And see, I can see who in the family is blocking the flow. Did you know that? I can see who's blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit in the family. Because sometimes I'll see a family come in and the kids are all excited to be in church and they're just like jumping up and down. They're like, yeah, yeah. And the band takes the stage and they're, they're worshiping God and the kids are excited and the wife's over there and she's just got her hands lifted to the Lord and she's just praising God. And then the husband's over sitting there like this. And they're ignoring him, right? They're just ignoring him like the kids are going crazy. Yeah. And the wife's just praising God and God's just sitting over here. And then the worship will get real intense, right? And, and, and there's people on the altar and there's like pools of tears under people and JR just starts making up words that aren't even in the song at all. And all of a sudden the spirit is just flowing, you know? And he's talking about a flowing river and the song was about a house of prayer and everything's going crazy, man. And, and, and God is just being worshiped and he's just being praised. And all of a sudden you'll see the husband go, I gotta go to the bathroom, I gotta get out of here. And you'll hear the door slam. But you know why? Because he was stopping the flow and he just can't handle it because the conviction's too strong so he had to run. He had to get out of here. He had to go. He had to go. But it's not always just the men. Sometimes it's the wives too. And you'll see the, you'll see the husband praising God big and strong, right? Because we're big, strong praisers. We got our hands lifted out wide like touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Touchdown. This is good, Right? Yeah, so the men, we do touchdowns. Good, or carry the TV sometimes, right? We do carry the TV. It's a big screen TV, right? It's a big screen TV. And then the kids are on the other side, and they're like, yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, nay and night and night and day. Kids are having a good time, and the wife's just sitting down with her hands in her lap. 
and you wonder who's blocking the flow, right? Who's blocking the flow in the family? But you can, I can, I can, I see you. I see you blocking the flow, right? I know what's going on. And then sometimes it's neither of the parents. Sometimes it's the kids, right? Sometimes the parents are in here just praising God, man. I mean, they're they're doing wash the windows, right? They're doing wash the windows, you know. Yeah, doing it. Sometimes they're doing the whole YMCA thing, right? You know, just praising God. And then you got both kids over there like this. And they're just sitting down, and one's laying down like this, right? And you know that some stuff happened on the way to church. You know it did. And I'll tell you the big giveaway. You want to know how that I can tell as the pastor when some stuff happened on the way to church? is when the teenagers are in there, and they don't have their phone. When they're sitting there bored in the worship service and they don't have their phone, you know that some stuff done went down on the way to church. I mean, I'll, I'll give it away. I'll tell you how to know in my family. If you see him sitting over there and he's sitting over there grumpy and he don't have a big giant bulge in his pocket from that 10-inch phone that he carries around, then you know that some stuff done went down on the way to church, right? Sometimes it's the kids that are blocking the flow. I'm telling you, don't be the one that blocks the flow. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the one that blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit of my family. I don't want it to be that the oil of heaven falls down and it flows and it flows from one part of the body to the next and it flows from that part of the... See, we're not just called to be just vertically connected to God. We're also called to be horizontally connected to each other. See, that the Spirit doesn't just flow from heaven to us. It flows from one to another. I mean, we're built to be in community, just like the Father, Son, and Spirit are in community. And I don't want it to be that the power of the Holy Spirit falls and that oil flows from heaven and it rolls all over one part of the family and then it rolls over and it falls in another part of the family and then it gets to me and it falls in a crack. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want the oil of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, I don't want it to just flow into a crevice that I created. And you know how we create those crevices in our family? It's by disconnection, man. It's by disconnection. I mean, what caused that crack? What caused that crack was disunity. What caused that crack was the bitterness and the anger and the jealousy and the torment and all the stuff that you allowed the enemy to get into your life that caused a disconnect between you and the rest of your family and brought about disunity in your family. Then Matthew 12 says that a house divided cannot. A house divided cannot. Man, I want your house to stand I want your house to stand. You know why a house divided can't stand? Because it can't overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. It can't. It can't. That oil doesn't flow over every part if it's divided. It falls into the division. Man, that anointing of God for a family, that anointing of God for a unified family, it falls into the division. I don't want it to fall into the division anymore. Not in my family and not in yours. Man, we got to be unified. we got to stand together. And that's how that oil will flow from heaven and heal us and anoint us and bring glory. Man, that that oil was used as a description because it refreshes and it heals and it smells really, really good. And so when you would come in from a long journey, one of the first things they would do would be just anoint you with oil. It's because that sun in Israel is hot. 
And so your skin would be chafed and chapped and red from it. And so they just anoint you with oil. It would refresh you. And they used oil for healing, and it would begin to heal you. But also, you was probably smelling pretty right because you had been out there walking in that hot sun. But man, that anointing oil smells good. And so not only is it good for your healing, it's pleasant to your senses. See, that oil, that anointing oil from heaven, it's good and it's pleasant. See, a unified family is good for us and pleasant to us. You know who else it's pleasant to, to have a unified family? It's pleasant to God. It it goes up to him as worship. It goes up to him as a sweet-smelling savor that he inhales into his nostrils. And when you've got a unified family, he breathes that in, and it's pleasing to God. It goes up to him as an offering, man, and he loves, loves, loves it. A unified family is life-giving. I said it's life-giving. That means a family that's not in unity is what? Man, it's life-stealing. It really is. This next scripture, the next uh, verse in verse 3, it says this. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. Let me tell you what I learned about this this week. Mount Hermon is the highest mountain range in all of Israel. And it's in the very northern part of Israel. And it, it goes way up into the sky. And there's a, a cloud of dew that hangs over it all the time, even in the, even in the dry seasons. And so on Mount Hermon, there's always life. And it's always lush. And it's always green. Because the water's always flowing there. You know, people say that if you try to camp out up there, even in the dry season, when you wake up in the morning, your whole tent will just be soaked. Because there's this water that's always there and natural life always flourishes there. No matter what's going on around it. You understand what I'm saying? No matter what's going on around it, even in the driest of seasons, still there's moisture. Still there's lush green plant life at the top of Mount Hermon. Now 120 miles south in the middle of the desert, you'll find Mount Zion. You'll find Jerusalem, which is alive in the spirit. Regardless of what's going on in the natural world, Jerusalem is alive in the spirit. There's a, uh, I forget the name of it, but there's a mental um, uh, situation that people fall into sometimes when they go to Jerusalem because the power of the spirit just overwhelms them and people kind of tend to lose it a little bit. Because the spirit is just so, man, I'm telling you, you can feel it tingling on your skin. You can feel it in your mind. You can feel it in your heart. Just the power of the spirit that is alive in Jerusalem. And so what this scripture is saying is that unity in your family, unity in the body of Christ is like the dews of Mount Hermon, the life in the natural falling on the spiritual powerhouse that is Zion, that is Jerusalem, that is life in the spiritual. And so unity in your family is where natural life comes together with spiritual life and they intermingle and they turn into a kind of abundant life the likes of which that you never imagined before i mean in john 10 10 jesus said that the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy but i came to give you life more abundantly i like the translation it says i like to, i came to give you life to the full see that's what full life is is the dues of herman falling on the spirit of Zion where natural life 
mingles with spiritual life and all of a sudden becomes a kind of life that we never imagined having. But it's available to you. I mean, it's available to you. Life like you never imagined. Freedom like you never imagined. But to do that, we have to come under the same banner. To do that, everyone in the family has to come under the same banner. We have to come under the cross of Christ. We have to surrender ourselves to the cross of Calvary. And if we're not willing to do that, then we'll never see the kind of unity that this scripture is talking about. I mean, some of you, man, some of you guys wanted to have an awesome wife. You're like, man, I just want to have a great wife. But you were a terrible husband. And so if you're expecting her to be this perfect wife, but you're a grade A jerk of a husband, then why would she even want to do that? Well, she should surrender to Scripture. Okay, let's say that she does. Let's say that she surrenders to Scripture and does everything that she can to serve you and support you and love you in the perfect way, but you're still a grade A jerk. Are you guys in unity? No. Some of you wives want a, want a great husband. You want an incredible husband, but you are a terrible wife. You, you want him to, to pick up the banner and be the spiritual leader of your household, but every time he tries, you go against him. Every time that he tries to lead his family, you go behind his back and do what you wanted to do anyway. Every time that he wants to talk about the Lord, you laugh at him because he's not far along in his, in his walk with Christ. I mean, if you treat him like that, then why would he even want to lead? Why would he even want to do what his family, what he's supposed to do for his family? Well, because Scripture says he's supposed to, right? So he should do it. Well, let's say that he does. Let's say that he begrudgingly picks up that banner and walks with it, but you're still treating him like that. Is your family unified? No. No. Kids, you wanted to, or parents, you wanted to have awesome kids. I mean, you wanted to have these perfect kids and for them to be, you know, just blessings and all the things that, that Scripture would ascribe for children to be. But you were terrible parents. You didn't sacrifice for them. Everything that you did was for you. You didn't, didn't serve them. You didn't, didn't lead them. You didn't parent them. You didn't nurture them. You didn't provide for them. Then why should they be the children that you want them to be if you weren't the parents that they needed? Well, because Scripture says that they should mind and act right and do those things, right? Sure it does. And so let's say that they do that. Let's say that they get saved and they get filled with the Spirit and they come under your authority and they do what they're supposed to do as kids. But you're still jacked up parents. Or is your family in unity? No. Kids, you wanted to have awesome parents. I mean, you wanted to have awesome godly parents and a, and a foundation of a household that you could count on and, and go to and thrive in, and it was great. But you're terrible kids. I mean, they're, they're out there trying to provide for you, and you're out there doing everything you can to hurt them. And every time that they try to discipline you, you rebel against them. And every time they try to lead you, you go the other way. Why in the world would they want to sacrifice their whole lives to parents you if you're just going to throw it back in their face? Well, because Scripture says that they're supposed to take care of you, and just human nature says they're supposed to care for you, right? Sure it does. And what if they do? What if they continue to pour out for you over and over again? And they continue just to be the parents that they're supposed to be to you, but you keep rebelling against them. Is your family unified? No. And the same thing goes for brothers and sisters and cousins and friends and church family and everybody that you've ever known. My point is do your part. If you're the one that's destroying the unity of your family, man, stop it. 
But scripture says we have to be diligent to find unity in the spirit. We have to be diligent. That means that it's something that we're going to have to work at every single day. It's something that we're going to have to sacrifice to every single day. We're going to have to surrender ourselves every single day to try to fight for it. Man, if you want to have an awesome wife, be an awesome husband. If you want to have an awesome husband, be an awesome wife. If you, have, if you want to have awesome kids, be awesome parents. If you want to have awesome parents, be awesome kids. Do your part to have unity in your family. Surrender your life to the cross of Christ, uh, and it will make an impact on the people around you. It may not happen all at once. Yeah, give God praise for that, man. Come on. Give God praise for that. John 17 says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. What would happen, what would happen if there was disunity of God? if there was conflict in the Trinity? What would happen if there was disunity between the Father and the Son and the Spirit? I'll tell you. Guess what chapter it's in of the Bible? It's in Ephesians 4. The Bible says this, Therefore each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foot Hold. You see, if the Father and the Son and the Spirit showed any sign of disunity, even for a second, you know what would happen? The devil would get his claws in that crack and we'd all be doomed. But never for a second since, well, since eternity passed, can I say that? In a non-reformed church. Since eternity passed, there's never been a second of disunity. Never has there been a second when they bickered amongst each other. Never has there been a second when their purpose and their mission that they had as a family wasn't the center, the core, the forefront of everything that they represent. Man, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have been in perfect unity and will continue to be in perfect unity for all time. Your family should be a picture of the Trinity here on earth. Your family should be unified in mindset, unified in purpose, unified in love. Just like the Father is with the Son, with the Spirit. How incredibly pleasant and good it is to be in unity with our brothers and sisters with our husbands and wives, with our parents and children. Maybe you've never experienced that kind of grace in your life. You can. Man, husbands and wives can live a life of grace. Parents and children can live in a life of grace. Friends and neighbors, church family. Man, we can all live a life of grace unified under the cross of Christ 
unified under the cross of Christ. Our family. Bonded together by the blood of Jesus. Bonded together by the kind of unity that the world can't even understand. Bonded together in a way that the enemy can't find a crack. Bonded together so that the oil that flows from heaven doesn't fall into any crevice. So that the oil that flows from heaven doesn't fall into any disconnect. So that the oil that falls from heaven flows over us all and connects us all so that constantly we're standing not face to face with our fingers in each other's face but that constantly we're standing shoulder to shoulder ready to face whatever comes our way but to do that each one of us has to surrender ourself so that we're not the one that stops the flow. So that we're the one that brings the overflow. When don't stop the flow, bring the overflow into your family.